the San Francisco Experience podcast. Brought to you by Jim Herlihy. Independent commentary from a Silicon Valley perspective for a global audience. Featuring newsmakers, thought leaders, and authors. Season 22, Episode 20. Barbie, the motion picture. Talking with Sean Chang of the Hill Place movie and TV blog. The summer blockbuster continues to break box office records since its release on July 21st, 2023. Sean Chang joins us to discuss this summertime phenomenon. Hello, Sean, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me back, Jim. Sean, where do we begin? Barbie is a unique movie that caught the public's attention globally. What do you think, Sean? I couldn't even begin to answer that question, Jim. I'm still perplexed two months after its release as to why it has become as successful as it has. There's only a couple of things that come to mind in terms of why it tapped into people's imaginations. I think the primary thing is that it was released the same weekend as Oppenheimer, and it created this phenomenon called Barbenheimer, which made people excited to see two major movies on the same we- opening on the same weekend. And some people made an event out of it, and I actually was one of them. I On that Saturday, I went and saw uh, Oppenheimer first then Barbie. And I was very impressed by uh, the sheer number of people who turned out in force that weekend to see both the pictures. And at the movie theater I saw it at, I saw a lot of people dressed up as Barbie. So they really got into it as almost like a social phenomenon, especially as you know, after three years of COVID, they were out and about enjoying themselves, getting back in the swing of things. And I think the movie allowed them to let their hair down. I think a second reason why is because it's a rare major motion picture from a major studio starring a major movie star that's basically a female-driven, female-led you know, movie. I mean, there's a perspective that um, in the last few years, you know, Hollywood hasn't been as focused in making movies geared towards women. And I think my response to that comment is, is that back in the 30s and 40s into the 50s, you know, Hollywood exclusively catered to women a lot mm-hmm. of times. Mm-hmm. You know, all these vehicles, star vehicles for great movie stars like Barbara Stanwyck, Betty Davis or Joan Crawford or Ida Lupino or Jean Arthur. It's only been maybe in more recent decades that people feel like that that audience has not been well served. But but not that's not completely true because in the 1980s, because of the popularity of Meryl Streep, you know, you had female-driven movies that were you know designed to star Meryl Streep, and then if she turned them down, people like Glenn Close, you know, or Sissy Spacek or Jessica Lange played those movies. So I, I think it's only been the last few years, especially with the rise of these sorts of Marvel-type movies, people felt like, okay, here's a movie that's geared towards women. That being said, I don't think it's that good a movie. Mm-hmm. What do you What do you think, Jim? Well, it's interesting. Let's remember the the movie is an allegory. Number one, uh-huh. it's a fantasy. Barbie, of course, on its face, you have an eighty three year old doll, and the reason that she's eighty three years old is she was uh, what nineteen years old when she first came out in nineteen fifty nine. So, eighty three year old doll, who yeah. has been an integral part of our culture, and. Mm-hmm. 
in our homes, in our families, not only mm-hmm. in the United States, but globally. Mm-hmm. So I think everyone, certainly here in this marketplace in the United States and elsewhere, felt that this was like an old friend. This was somebody that they knew, that they grew up with, that their sisters played with or that they played with. And they saw this Barbie progress over the years with fashions that were of that era, with uh, themes that were also of that era, whether it was uh, the career Barbie or the professor Barbie or the rocket science Barbie or whatever. So it, it was a Mattel clasped onto a certain uh, spirit with that doll, and they have ridden it since 1959. So mm-hmm. I saw the movie in through that lens, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I certainly didn't, as I said, it's an allegory. It's a fantasy. I didn't get all worked up about philosophy and woke this and woke that. But I mean, we can certainly discuss that, but I, I didn't take it seriously that way. I just, I, I found it, it was fun. It was bright. It was lots of color. It, it was fun. It was lighthearted. It was particularly after seeing Oppenheimer, which was so intense and, yeah. you know, dealing with such a, uh, existential themes barbie wasn't barbie was pure escapism from my perspective well everything you described in terms of the phenomenon of the actual doll and its impact on on world culture not just american culture but world culture the perspectives of of young women who played with the doll i i've always respected it and completely respect it and still respect it i think the movie itself while watching it i found it mildly entertaining but i didn't think it was as clever or as witty as it clearly wanted to be i think i think the second half of the movie when and when um barbie goes back into barbie land and it turns out to be this almost war of the sexes when she finds out that in her absence ken went back and turned it into a into a world where the men rule and the women ended up becoming more subservient to the men i thought that's kind of kind of lost its focus because I thought Mm -hmm. the focus of the movie should have remained. Barbie remains in Los Angeles learning about, you know, what it's like to be a human being, like a real person. Mm -hmm. I think those moments, you know, when she entered into, you know, the the Los Angeles scenes and was, you know, fitting in and seeing things from a different perspective, I thought that stuff was interesting. But then having her go back and turning it into like a men versus women kind of storyline, I I thought that was sort of dull. And and it led to some really preachy, didactic moments. Like, like that speech that the America Ferrara character gives about the struggles that women have to go through, which, you know, I'm, I, I would acknowledge, you know, there's some veracity to the things that she said, but at the same time, the way it's written and the way it's presented is, is so on the nose. It's not subtle. It's basically, you know, slamming you in the face like with a jackhammer with the point it's trying to make that I think it kind of, I think it's not as clever as it wants to be. I think you're right. It was, it was like two different films. I would say the first 25 minutes or so was Mm -hmm. fantasy, bright colors. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was, it was like otherworldly. And of course the, the very beginning, which was reminiscent of the uh, 2001 space odyssey where the, Mm -hmm. the little girls start breaking up their dolls. And then this gigantic towering Barbie emerges. I, I thought that was a great introduction to the film which mm-hmm. then leads you into Barbie land and Barbie world and it was just it was it was very fantastical 
and colorful and a lot of fun. But then it was almost as though the the director Greta Gerwig is her name. Yes, yeah, Ger- Greta Gerwig. Yeah, Greta, Greta Gerwig. It was it was almost as though she said, "Okay, audience, you've had your fun for the last 20, 25 minutes. Now it's time for us to be didactic. Now it's time for us to get a message in here, etc." And at that at that point, I really found it kind of boring, to tell you the truth. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I thought it started off well. And I thought, oh, wow, this could be you know better than I expected. And then it kind of went where I expected it to go. That being said, I want to say one thing, uh, and I mean this in the most positive way. This movie affirms Margot Robbie as a genuine movie star, someone that has genuine talent and screen presence. And the way she plays Barbie, the way she brings nuances to Barbie and makes Barbie a character that the audience cares about and roots for i mean that's the strength of the movie the scene when barbie approaches those awful girls in middle school thinks that she's there to help them and the girls basically just tear her to pieces about their perceptions of how barbie has you know made them and other women feel bad about themselves the way she reacts where she's where margot robbie is so devastated and she's brought to tears I mean, that's one hell of an actress. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I, so I, like I said, I have very mixed feelings about the movie. I do think, this is something I'm going to say, I do think, you know, that the portrayal of the men is very um, demeaning and is very insulting to men. And it's very funny that there are women defending the film saying it's not anti-male. And even the, I'm sure if you ask Greta Gerwig, she would say that. But I think there's a certain demographic of women, not all women, but some, who so deeply feel a lot of hurt and pain and resentment against men, that they have this inherent hatred of men that they can't even see it. I think that's why they say, oh, it's not anti-male, because it's burned into their consciousness that hating men is an accepted um, phenomenon. It's the same, you know, people disagree with me. It's the same as basically saying to, you know, saying to somebody, accusing basically a, a white man who might say that they're not racist and they can't see themselves behaving racist. It's the same logic as basically telling that that, that person, oh, well, you're so, you know, you're so ingrained in your, in your thought process as you can't even see the prejudice that you hold. So I think that's my itch issue with the movie, but I was quite amazed that in the days, weeks, months since then, that I read a lot of editorials and comments online from people, and a lot of them were women who had the same reaction. They felt that there was an anti-male bias in the movie, and it made them uncomfortable, and it took away from the movie celebrating women, and it made it more of this very negative, didactic yes perspective there's a there's someone i know who i have a great deal of respect for um who's a colleague of mine and she is as liberal and progressive as they come and very much a a feminist in the best sense of the word and she saw it with her husband and she really disliked barbie for that very reason she really felt that it was anti-male and that she felt that the anti-male perspective really actually didn't do anything to you know lift women up you know she felt actually um it was a very negative thing that would hold women back and so she really and she had my permission to you know mention her opinion of the movie on this podcast Mm -hmm. so if she's listening to this uh this part's for you anyway (laughs) but uh, but that's how she felt and i was really surprised and i was really amazed that she felt that way and but other people felt that way too on the other hand to be fair, there is a conservative there's a conservative commentator that has his own YouTube channel named Michael Knowles. And Michael Knowles is a very conservative person, very Catholic in his viewpoint. He loved Barbie. 
And he did this long video on YouTube, uh, Jim, where he praised Barbie and he outlined the reasons why he liked Barbie. Do you have a moment where I can tell you sure, what, what yeah, he liked what about it? Yeah. Okay. All right. The thing about it was, was that he felt that Barbie was a movie where the world of Barbie land, he felt where women ruled and women dominated and they had these great careers. He felt the movie ultimately was saying that a world like that isn't necessarily good in and of itself. That in the Barbie land, a joke is made about the pregnant Barbie being discontinued because it wasn't popular. And yet all the women in that were in the Barbie land. They have careers. They run government. They're on the Supreme Court. But there are no, there are no places for men. He felt like it was Greta Gerwig's commentary that a world like that isn't necessarily good either. And that he felt like I, I'm, I'm, you can go look it up. I'm, I hope I'm reiterating what he's saying accurately. But he's basically saying that even the present modern day real world, you know, even though it isn't completely perfect, it's still better. And another thing that he said is that at the end of the picture, when Rhea Perlman shows up playing the woman that created Barbie, and she has that scene with Barbie at the end explaining to Barbie all the things that she is supposed to have learned in her journey, tells her to close her eyes and think about you know, what makes her happy or what, what, what brings beauty to the world. And it's all these images of women with their daughters. So basically, Barbie embraces is not necessarily a world where she's going to become this businesswoman or a career person. It's a world where, you know, she's thinking about being a mother and a parent. And so in that sense, she thinks it's a very conservative viewpoint. And at the end of the movie, she chooses to go into Los Angeles or go into the real world with all its imperfections and live life there rather than stay in Barbie land. Mm -hmm. And at the end, when she's dropped off for an appointment, it's, it's, it's assumed she's going for a job interview, but it's not. She's going to see her gynecologist, which he see, feels, again, affirms the viewpoint that motherhood is more important. Anyway, I don't know if I agree with him on this. He made a very convincing presentation. But the point I'm making is that when I saw his video and then I was looking at other people's perspectives that were more from the conventional feminist viewpoint and this and that, I suddenly realized this has become a phenomenon. Everybody is interpreting this yes. movie different, yeah, it, it differently. Everyone's interpreting it differently. Everyone's bringing their own perspective and life experience and drawing a, drawing into different readings into this movie. And it made me realize that even though it wasn't necessarily a movie I love or even a movie I necessarily have any need to see again, it made me realize this is a genuine phenomenon. It's, it's evoking a very authentic reaction out of people. And for that reason, we need to respect it. It's evoking a very authentic reaction right across the board and right mm -hmm. across age groups, right across mm -hmm. ethnic groups, you name it. I was so in, in that sense, I think it was a very successful film that very few films, certainly in certainly in the last 20 years, would even come close to having such a broad mass appeal to stimulate to stimulate opinions and conversation and controversy right across the board, regardless of age, race, gender, you name it. One of the other factors about the film that, that I, I thought was a little bit heavy-handed, I felt as though uh -huh. it, was a, it was a gigantic advert for Mattel. And uh -huh. I, I don't know how much you paid to watch it, but I, whatever it was, 15 bucks or whatever I paid to watch it in Sebastopol, and I felt like I'm paying 
$15 to see this film and I'm being assailed left, right and center by Mattel, Mattel, Mattel. Now, of course, you have Will Farrell, of course, being the uh, the chairman of Mattel and his board, I think is all male and a bunch of flunkies and yes men, etc. But leaving leaving that heavy handed treatment of their management aside, I just felt that it was it was very commercial. And of course, there was uh, there was an, a, a gigantic sale of Barbie merchandise everywhere. Apparently, Mattel made $125 million just off the film revenues alone. That was its share of the film revenues. And Mm -hmm. who knows what they made in terms of the merchandise that that they made. So I I felt that the Mattel image and message was a little bit more than we needed again that was the part of the film that i wasn't really that that keen on the second part of the film but but for that matter again just given the broad appeal of this film of course the last stats that i saw as of last week the film had grossed globally 1.34 billion dollars which now makes it the highest grossing film this year at pipping Super Mario at the post at that $1.34 billion film take. And secondly, there were a couple of other stars that that won as a result of the success of this film, most notably Mm -hmm. Mattel. Their stock price went up. Mm -hmm. AMC Movie Theaters, which uh, played a major role in debuting the film nationally, their stock, which had been been in the tank for quite a while, had a nice rebound in the days after the the film debuted. And then finally, Birkenstock, which which was highly showcased in this film just recently announced that they're going public in the United States. So so there was actually an economic knock-on effect, positive n- knock-on effect of this film that I thought was uh, was interesting that you, again you don't often see a film that crosses over into as it crosses over as a social phenomenon, it then generates its its own commercial whirlwind if you will. And mm-hmm. uh, so that was another aspect of the film that I thought was uh, that was in, was hoped for and perhaps intended exceeded way beyond their way beyond the creator's imagination. I understand what you're saying about it being a big Mattel commercial. It didn't bother me, and the reason why it didn't bother me is because I'm a capitalist baby. Okay, <laughs> I believe in capitalism and marketing and selling a product. I totally believe in it, and I totally think that it, no one should be ashamed of it, and people should embrace it as its own kind of creative expression and art form. That being said, I think a lot of cinema these days, particularly with these Marvel action movies, there, there's always kind of product placement throughout. You know, people, um, manufacturers, you know, buying airtime in movies, so to speak, by having certain characters using certain products and whatever have you. But I I think in its defense for with Barbie, I think Gerwig, Greta Gerwig was trying to make it sort of a satirical commentary, you know, on that kind of crass capitalism. I just don't know if if she was able to articulate what exactly it was she was trying to say. Mm-hmm. I think I think she was trying to do so much in one movie that I think that's why some some aspects of the movie are a bit muddled and confused. Yes, yes. And it seems to be on the one hand, a moment ago, I said people are interpreting it differently. We should respect that, which I believe in. But I'm also thinking maybe people are interpreting it differently is because 
Gerwig did not finesse the movie well enough. Yes. Every, that there are so many scenes where the movie seems to be talking out of both sides of its mouth. You, you, you put know? the word that you use muddled. There's there's muddled messaging film, not in every aspect of the film, but there there's really quite a bit of muddled messaging in uh, certain key areas. Exactly. So it's like she wants to have her cake and eat it too. So she she wants to put certain things in there, and then she wants to put other things in there to say like for example i said a moment ago that there are aspects of the movie that are anti-male and then she puts a scene at the end where barbie tells ken oh you have to be yourself you have to believe in yourself you have to have a life that, that's not connected to me that's supposed to be affirming of him but i'm sitting there going where, where did that all come from <laughs> i mean so i think you know and by the way ryan gosling's performance yes ken, tell, tell me I, about tell me about ryan gosling because uh, of course uh, it, going into a yeah. film called barbie you knew he yeah. knew from the get-go he was playing it wasn't barbie and ken it was barbie he knew from the get-go that he was playing second fiddle tell me about his role the way he acted it and a little bit about the actor himself well, I mean, his movie, in some respects, become more, more becomes more important than Barbie because he's the one that goes into the male world, the real world, the, ma- the, the so-called, and I'm putting this in quotations, so-called quotations, quote-unquote, male-dominated real world, and sees how men are treated with respect, and that in the Barbie world, you know, men aren't treated with respect, and he's so bowled over by it that he starts to become kind of swaggering a little bit, like a bull in the china shop. He brings that quality back to Barbie land, and he encourages all the other you know, Ken's to become like that. There are some people really taken with that performance, and there, there's talk that he's going to win an Oscar for it. Really? I Yeah, exactly. I'm glad that you reacted that way. I think it's a perfectly competent, decent performance, but I'm a little bit, little bit perplexed by the level of, of enthusiasm for the performance he gave. I don't think it's nearly as nuanced as Margot Robbie's performance as Barbie. I mean, some people f- felt like Robbie was not as interesting, but I think maybe she may not have been as interesting as Ken because she's actually trying to portray a person, an well, actual a, person. A, a totally different film and a totally different actor. Killian Murphy if in Oppenheimer. Talked about Oppenheimer last month, but but I just have to say this. I mean, if, if Ryan Gosling is considered Oscar material for his portrayal of Ken, then if Killian Murphy doesn't nail an Oscar, I, I, I don't know, yeah. throw my hands up in disbelief. Oh, well, no, we, we've done several things about the Oscars, and they've done things in the last few years that le- have left a bunch of people in disbelief. So, you know, of course, they're going to do something completely ridiculous. I, By the way, I do want to make mention, um, one of the other Kens in Barbie Land is played by Simu Liu. Yes. And, and Simu Liu, and since I, since I was born in Taiwan, and my father was from China, my mother was from Taiwan, and he, I, 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 think, I, I think I have the right to say this, okay? Okay. Uh, all right, Simu Liu has come over and he's become a, a somewhat prominent actor and he's taken on this role like he speaks on behalf of all Asians and all people of Chinese descent, all right? And I, I, know, I, know where you're go- I know where you're going with this. And I, so go, go ahead, Sean. <laughs> I absolutely can't stand Simu Liu, okay? I think he's obnoxious. I think he's marginally talented. He's really annoying. Okay, Uh, I'm sure he'll probably say the same about me, but who cares who I am? I'm not very important. But he reflects a certain perspective of of someone of Asian background, especially in America, who rises to prominence and uses that prominence to constantly play victim as opposed to just being just recognizing, you know, how fortunate he is 
and recognizing that he's been given opportunities that a lot of people, even white males, aren't getting yes. and don't get. But he wants to spend his entire time on social media or in interviews complaining about this or complaining about that or complaining about some, somebody, you know, basically, you know, offending him and seeing him in this picture. I just roared with laughter. I mean, but not 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 in a laughing with him kind of way, laughing at, at him. him. Tell me, Sean, given the success of Barbie, there are a Barbie two and a Barbie three uh, in the works. Oh, uh, I, I think there may be. I, I don't think anything is definite yet. But supposedly, I guess when they made the deal to make this film, no, there wasn't there wasn't anything worked into the contracts about a potential sequel. So, who knows? Who knows? I will say this though. I want to I want to say something positive about the movie, I, and I, I hope this podcast has not been completely negative. I just hope that it's just been a you know kind of uh, give and take, and um, you know both um, warts and all, and also positive stuff. But a friend of mine who I went to college with, who's still a, one of my best friends, her daughter saw Barbie, and um, she's she was actually deeply moved by aspects of the movie huh. that talked about mother-daughter relationships i guess maybe the america ferrara and her daughter subplot but also that fantasy sequence where barbie daydreams about mothers and their daughters and it really deeply moved her and my friend noted it and told me about it and and her daughter who i've gotten to know is one of the brightest young people i know in the world just a very smart sharp person that i'm looking forward to seeing what she will accomplish in her life and so for her to be deeply moved by this picture it made me stop and take it more seriously hmm. because I felt like this is not just a usual, you know, Gen Z reaction. This is the reaction of a very nuanced and intelligent young person. If you don't mind me asking, how old is this young lady? Oh, let's see. I think she's 20, 21 now because oh, okay. she's still in college. So yeah. she's, she's an adult. Oh, she's an adult. She's uh -huh. an adult, you know, but she's a, she's a young woman. That's why I called her a young woman and, and very smart and very bright. The thing is, is that she was deeply moved from that perspective of how it portrayed mothers and daughters. So I think and I think that was what was interesting, because it was looking at it from a perspective that a lot of the other people who were championing the world of Barbie land where women were, you know, Supreme Court justices, career people. She was reacting to it from a completely different perspective, and maybe that's why I took it more seriously. What I said earlier, I want to clarify. I guess what I was trying to say in terms of like some women, not all, their dislike and disdain for men is so deeply ingrained they don't even see it. What I was simply trying to say about you know, certain white men who may be racist, that um, you know, or at least people in general, not white men, just people in general. Who would have thought that Barbie? Our friend Barbie in that little plastic box would have stimulated so much thought, so much controversy, and really pr demonstrated what a cultural icon she is in American culture and global culture. And Sean, in the remaining few minutes of the podcast, what, what lessons, if any, can we take from this movie? And I think it's tapped into a desire of a certain segment of the population to see more of a female-led movie. And I completely respect that point of view because I think we need more of that. Um, but I'm just not sure if this movie was an appropriate. I think it just sort of reflects the fact that I haven't really figured out what I think of this movie overall. And, and it's probably one of those movies that at some point I might revisit. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'll see it. Maybe I'll see it differently. They spent their money on it that they don't need our money in any any. any, any they don't need our money any further than they we've already given to them. Exactly. You know? Well, you know, so anything, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Well, Sean, on that note, thank you for joining us. 
Oh, you're welcome. And, and thanks, everybody, for um, listening. As I say, once again, this is just an opinion. It's not for anyone to get upset over. Um, I just, like I said, it's this was just a stream of consciousness in terms of what came to mind about this movie. Yeah. Again, Sean, thank you. We'll talk again in October. And for our listeners, today's episode is number 445. The San Francisco Experience podcast is carried on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Pandora, 18 platforms in total, with listeners in 60 countries. Feedspot has recognized the show as a top 25 California news podcast. This has been the San Francisco Experience with Jim Herlihy coming to you from San Francisco.